Hello and greetings and welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston. So thrilled that wherever you are in the world and however you may be listening, you are making us a part of your day. want to thank our partners for making us a part of their plan as well. Live Happy Magazine, they've got digital editions available for you at the App Store, also at the Google Play Store. It is a fantastic, fantastic investment of both time and money. And we also want to thank our other partner, Life Reimagined. .org and their website again lifereimagine.org slash happy that's where you can find all the processes for you to go through and the resources for you to try as you make that journey toward your peak happiness you know they say as you awaken to the power of happiness so do your dreams so what's next well find out more by going to lifereimagine.org slash happy it's a good time I promise you this well we at one point This podcast, in its infancy, had our guest as a host. Yeah, that's right. Live Happy Editor-at-Large, Stacey Kaiser, is joining us in this episode to talk about super parents. And you know the kind. They're the ones that are always going above and beyond, throwing the best birthday parties, or they're doing everything right. At least it seems that way. And being a super parent, yeah, not all that cracked up to be. And simply striving to be a good parent by allowing room for error and accepting imperfection really helps model children that trying your best is really what's important. Deborah Heiss sits down with Stacy Kaiser. Stacy, glad to have you back on the show. I don't think we've ever done one of these together. I don't think so either. It's kind of exciting for me. Adds a little extra happiness. <laughs> Adds a lot of happiness to my day. You know, we're here today to talk about parenting, and specifically the kickoff for this conversation is an article that you did in the current issue called Let's Drop the Capes, which is really about uh, super parents versus happy ones. Can you tell us what it means when you say super parent? What are you describing when you're comparing a good parent to a super parent? Well, let me first preface this by saying I have two kids myself. And so I am living through part of what I'm about to describe, which is I think as parents, we have this idea that we're supposed to be super parents, that we're supposed to be perfect, that we're not supposed to make mistakes. And we put all of this pressure on ourselves to produce these amazing kids as if we aren't perfect, if we aren't perfect, if we do make mistakes, that maybe we're going to ruin them or maybe they're not going to get into a good college or whatever it is. And so that creates a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety for both us and our kids. And so my whole philosophy is about now trying to step back from that and say, you don't need to be a super parent, you just need to be a good parent. You know, that's interesting. I I think everybody who listens to the podcast or reads the magazine at this point knows that I have three children, small children. And you're right. In the back of my head, a lot of times when I do something that I I go, oh, I shouldn't have said that or shouldn't have done that. I'll beat myself up about it for days. I had this story where, okay, I discovered that my daughters were yelling across the house to me. They'd be like, mom, mom. (laughs) And of course, I could never hear them. I mean, they would, they would actually be saying things, and I wouldn't understand them, and then I would be yelling back, and I'd be saying, come in here, and that whole thing. And I was telling a therapist, a friend of mine, the story saying, I have to cure them, but I have to get them to walk in the room. And she said, well, do you ever call out to them and say, like, dinner? And I was like, well, of course I do. <laughs> yes. And she goes, okay, well, you've just taught them that. You've taught them yelling, even though you're, you're, you're not doing it in the same way. And I literally beat myself up for an hour thinking, like, what was I thinking? I didn't even see it. And then I reminded myself that, okay, that doesn't matter. I don't need to be perfect. And I just need to adjust and realize that me even calling out dinner across the house 
is sending the wrong message, and I need to walk in the room and say, hey, dinner time. You know, you just described my house around dinner time and study time, and hey, get in here. Get off that device in the other room. <laughs> Come in here. It's time. Yeah, we yell all the time. I, I didn't look at that as yelling. That's funny. Yeah, here's the funny thing. I don't actually mind the yelling. It was that I minded the the fact that they kept thinking I should hear them and expecting me to be responsive. You know, I think a lot of parents, and I get caught up in this too, I know one of the things we talk about is we tend to make sacrifices for our children a lot. My entire weekday schedule after work is I got to, you know, either one of us has to make dinner or one of us has to go pick up the kids or, or something like that's going on. But you really talk about how putting yourself first and not necessarily focusing your entire life around your kid is important. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, you know, most parents think that their entire life needs to be putting their kids first. And our kids need to be, you know, top high priority. But it's very much like when you go on the airplane and they give you that speech that most people tune out, which is um, if there's a problem and the oxygen mask drops down, you need to put yours on before you put your, your kids on. And that's because if you are not healthy and in tip top shape on the plane, then you are not going to properly help your child. And life is exactly like that. If you aren't taking care of yourself, if you aren't rested, if you aren't eating, if you aren't having some me time and couple time, you don't have anything left for your kids. So it isn't really about saying they're not important. It's about taking good care of yourself so that you can be there for them 100%. Now, do you think this has a lot to do with our desire to create happy children? You know, for me, when I hear you say that, what I think about is, Children learn what they see, not what you say. So if you're not taking care of yourself and you're not happy, they won't necessarily learn the behaviors that will allow them to take care of themselves and be happy. Is that kind of what you're saying? A hundred percent. I mean, the biggest role modeling we do, to your point, is what we show them. And so they're going to grow up and not take care of themselves because they're going to think that you're supposed to just spend your time taking care of others. And what happens is you end up depleted. And so... Part of what I'm trying to teach people is you need to be happy to raise happy kids. Unhappy parents end up having kids who suffer. I always have this saying, I always say, when the parents suffer, the children suffer. And it's really important that we monitor our suffering and make sure that we're feeling happy and that we're fulfilling ourselves so that we can pass that on in every way to our kids. You know, and one of the things, you know, you and I were just talking about before we started recording this podcast, um, a study that we reference in, uh, in the book, Live Happy 10 Practices for Choosing Joy, where it shows that children who are happy at seven, 30 years later, experience less medical issues. They're actually healthier 30 years later, which for me just kind of crystallizes the point that we do need to be focused on happiness for our children because it has byproducts later in life. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad you brought that up. It's one of my favorite things um, that we talk about is a lot of people don't really realize that there really is a medical component, a physical component to happiness. And so happiness makes you better physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. It's every category across the board. So why not try to do all you can to teach it? Which is, of course, why I think those of us, even those of us who are in the know, spend a lot of time worrying about whether our children are happy. But, you know, back to the original point is we have to be happy ourselves first. And we're doing a lot of things as parents that are actually creating stress and doing the opposite of creating happiness in our lives. Can you talk about expectations um, that we have as parents and how that reduces our happiness? Part of what ends up happening to all of us is that we build expectations in our heads. They're built based on the way we were raised, what our parents did with us, 
the people that we spend time around, what they, what we think society wants, what our partner might want, what we, we might want. And so we're, we're busy thinking about all of these things that we think should happen each day with our kids, in their lives, the way they grow up, all of that other stuff. And that level of expectation oftentimes isn't realistic. So for example, I was talking to a mom the other day who said to me, I really feel like I should spend two hours a day with my kids. And I was like, okay, well, you work from nine to six. I mean, they're at school in the middle of that. There's homework. There's, you know, bath time, all of this other stuff. Where is that going to get fit in? And she said, it's impossible. And I had to help her realize that her expectation of two hours was going to be impossible every day. And that maybe in order to make herself happy, maybe in order to make herself happy and the kids happy in her mind, she would need to do the two hour thing on the weekend, but she could probably get in more hours on the weekend and pull back her expectations during the week. And so I think what we all need to do when we're setting our expectations is ask ourselves, am I being realistic? Is this something that works in my life plan? Is it putting more stress on me and taking away happiness from me or my family because I think X, Y, and Z should be happening? You know, that's an interesting point because I, I sit here and I think I, I have the best job in the world, but I've got young children, so they go to bed before 9 o'clock and I get home at 6.30 and there's not probably two hours of free time in between 6.30 and 9 o'clock. But um, I continually go, okay, when I'm there, I need to be focused on them because this is the only time I've got with them. How do you recommend moderating that? Because it is a little bit of the kids, you know, I've got three of them, so they fight for attention and they want to share that that two hours and then we're trying to get dinner done. How, how do you really recommend people deal with that day-to-day quality time issue with their children? That's a great question. Well, first of all, that old saying, quality over quantity, is, is 100% what it is. So number one, we parents need to put our devices away, even if there's still work things going on. We need to table all of that other outside stuff so that we can put focus on our kids. I also recommend that parents try to either pre-prepare food a couple times a week or order a pizza, something so that you can actually invest more time with the kids. And then, then the other thing is to try and make time for activities with them in the evening, even if it's reading a book or while you play with them in the bath time and you guys are playing games. It's really important to feel like they have their un, it's really important that they feel like they have our undivided attention um, when we're with them for a period of time. And then just the last thing that I think is really important, and this is not going to happen during the week, probably, (laughs) but I really believe in that whole queen's king for a day philosophy. And I made a point that once a month, each of my kids got a special day with just me on the weekend. Um, And you can switch off parents, you know, you have three kids, so it'll have to be two and one and some rotating, but where, where you go, where they want to go, you do what they want to do. They get to eat what they want to eat as long as it's you know healthy and within reason so that they really feel like they get time to connect with you where you're not, you know, being pulled in other directions. That's interesting. Those are good. Those are some good philosophies, some of which we already do at my house. We do we do uh, no devices from the time I get home till the kids go to bed. That's just part of our ritual. You know, occasionally you have to break that if, there, if you know there's something urgent going on. But, you know, Really, I found that to be really valuable because at least they know from the time I get home until the time they go to bed, I'm not working. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting. I had this one friend who who wasn't working, but she was constantly picking up her phone and taking pictures of her kids. And I found out the kids were getting annoyed even about that. 
because they felt like she was so busy grabbing her phone for the moment that she wasn't in it. I mean, they didn't explain it that intelligently, but she even had to stop doing that. Wow, that makes sense. And I've, I've read a lot of people make that mistake even when they're on vacation. They spend so much time taking pictures of what's going on, they forget to engage in what's going on. Uh, you know, it's, let, let's take a picture of the Eiffel Tower as opposed to looking at the Eiffel Tower. Uh, exactly. Concept. Which, and, and instead, you need to find time to do both. Parenting can be stressful, um, as I'm sure you know. In fact, uh, I, I've, got a, I've got a question, which totally out of left field for this conversation. But, you know, I've got two optimists children and one who wants to tell uh-huh. me one who wants to tell me everything that went wrong with her day. So I'll walk, I'll walk in the door, I'll be running around happy, be friendly, and, and just, you know, zooming around the house laughing. And I go, how was your day? Oh, mom, it was horrible. <laughs> how, do you, how, do, how do you get your children to look at the positive in life? Because, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. Two of, my other two children are optimists. It's really kind of interesting to have this not natural optimist in the house. You know, it's, you know, when we talk about live happy, we always talk about how some people are just born that way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so you definitely have one that is born that way, and, and there's proof. And, and, and it is true because, you know, you guys have a really optimistic, happy household. And so, so we know it isn't learned. But so here's what I would say. So on one hand, you don't want, you know, you can't erase that, right? So, so here's, here's what I would do. What I would do is say this. Hi, how was your day? Oh, it was horrible. Okay, guess what? I'm setting the alarm on my phone or my watch I'm, for the next 60 seconds. You get to tell me everything was horrible. that was horrible, and you have to tell me three things that were great or good. So you allow time, you know, go ahead and be you and do your complaining, and then we're going to come up with something positive. And hopefully what will happen is you, if you give 30 to 60 seconds, and, and you need to determine this based on how much complaining your child actually does, then hopefully your child will either laugh or be like, well, I can't fill that amount of time. And then that will be good. You're going to say good. And here's, you know, this is one of the philosophies you talk about all the time. And so do I, it's totally fine to have a bad day and complaints and be negative, but then you need to flip it around. And so part of why you're doing that is to try and teach that, okay, you get to get the bad stuff out and now we're flipping it around to the good stuff. People need to do that with their mates too sometimes. Yeah. Kids. I think we've all experienced that. But, you know, I, I was actually doing it the opposite. I was like, okay, you can tell me about the bad stuff after the good stuff and she's getting frustrated. But I, I think I'm going to switch it around and, and do it the other way because I think that makes more sense leaving on the positive. Yeah, and, and it's the way she is. It's, it's the way, And so maybe you can you will reprogram her at least to say it was horrible, this bad thing happened, this bad thing, but this good thing and this good thing happened. I've taken a couple things from our conversation, which I think are really important. One of the things is go ahead and make time for yourself, do things that make you happy. Don't feel guilty about taking care of yourself. You know, for me, that means, you know, uh, yesterday evening, I didn't run in the morning. So I left on a Sunday evening to go for an hour and a half run because I need to do that in order to, you know, be healthy. Aside from just making sure that you're doing the basics, which is eating right, taking care of yourself, getting enough sleep, creating a little bit of time for yourself. One of my favorite statements is, is every parent is only as happy as their least happy child. Oh, my God, I say that all the time. <laughs> Maybe that's where I heard it. Maybe it was you. <laughs> but how, how do we become a happy parent? How do, we, how do we maintain that in the face of, you know, adolescent hormones, um, 
uh, frustrating other parents, not, you know, not keeping up with the Joneses. I think a lot of us look at it, oh, that stay-at-home mom threw this perfect birthday party and spent all this money on it, and it was fantastic, and my kids are coming over to the backyard to jump on the trampoline for their birthday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a gap there. How do, how, do we, how do we reconcile that feeling of inadequacy, I think, that all parents have, and, and truly be a happy parent? I think it starts with taking time out, not in those moments, to figure out sort of what your happy thoughts are and what your happy place is so that you can literally redirect yourself. I mean, I, you know, I definitely had bad days and my kids had bad days and I don't always keep up with the Joneses and all of that stuff happens. And I will find myself caught up in the loop of, um, well, my child is miserable and she isn't happy about this. And I find myself caught up in that. And then what I do personally is my redirect is say, okay, what do I do well? I know that I am a very loving and accepting mom who tells their kids, you know, they, they, I love them and I, and I accept them for who they are. And so that is something that's good about being in my house in my life. Even though my kid is having a bad day because something didn't go well in school um, and I don't feel like I can fix it because it's a bad teacher, for example, then I might say to myself, okay, well, what can I, can I do it to fix in her life? What can I do to make her be happy? And so I really find myself having to literally redirect myself. I, I actually say out loud, I need to redirect this because this doesn't feel good. And then the other thing that I recommend people do is sometimes you just need to take an emotional break. And my kids know an emotional break for me when they were little, it used to be that I would go into the garage in my car because it was like the only way I could get away. <laughs> um, they would follow me everywhere else. Um, now that I'm old, now that they're older and I'm older, they know that I go in my bedroom and I will go on my bed for like 10 minutes and I'll put on some music or I'll watch something on my iPad or I'll play a game or something like that on my phone so that I can disconnect and, and then reconnect and feel better. And so I tell parents, go take a walk. You described going to take a run. I mean, I don't know if someone has an hour and a half. It could be a 10-minute walk. Just something to disengage from what is making you unhappy so that you can reboot. It brings to mind uh, the movie Marley and Me. There's a scene that I, I connect to occasionally. You know, he's got a, he's got a job. He's, his, his wife's at home with three boys. And he pulls into the driveway and he turns off the car and he just stays there. <laughs> because it's just you know what I tell working people to do that all the time because you get in the house and you're attacked and and if you don't have a tolerance for that, it's, I mean so you, if you stay in the car longer they don't necessarily know what you're doing and you, you buy that time to regroup yeah just three minutes five minutes just a little bit of ah but I, I just connect to that scene so well because you know you come from a hectic day a lot of times uh, in, in Texas we can legally do this you're on the phone on the way home <laughs> um, and then you you know you you hang up the phone call as you pull in the driveway and there's no break. And for me, it's really important to have it, at least a mental break to shift gears from work to home. Otherwise, I, I I walk in the door in work mode, which is not good for any of us. Right. And you can imagine for your family, it's not fair. You it's hard to walk in and say, "Hi, I'm here. By the way, please ignore me for five minutes while I go collect myself." Try saying that so to a really four year old. It's better to do it. It's better to do it in the garage, or if they hear you come in the garage, then a block away, pull over for a minute. Oh, I, I thought about that in that movie. I love that idea. I hadn't thought about that. Well, this has been a great conversation, and you and I could probably talk about this forever. I think a lot of what we do on Live Happy Now podcast is give people information, but I really enjoy this because it's, it's how to put the information into practice. So, Stacy, thank you so much 
for your time today. It's My been wonderful. Pleasure. For those of you who don't know, Stacy has her own podcast. Thanks. It's called The Stacy Kaiser Show. Uh, you can find it on iTunes or at sidetrackedmedia.com. And, and every podcast is a caller calling in for advice and me or me and other experts helping the situation. And if you would like a list of 10 ways to be a good parent without being a super parent, you can go to livehappynow.com. There are all kinds of ways that you can interact with us while you're online, checking out those 10 ways to be a good parent. And we would love for you to, well, use as many of them as you're comfortable with. You can find us on Twitter at livehappy, facebook.com slash livehappy, or send us an email, podcast at livehappy.com. You can tell us about things you took away from this episode that you liked or didn't like, or you can even tell us about things that you would like to hear us discuss in future episodes. It's all right there for you uh, by using social media or email. It's a two-way conversation here, folks. That is for sure. Well, for everybody involved in this episode of Live Happy Now, Stacy Kaiser and Deborah Heiss, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long, thank you, and remember to always live happy. <laughs>